Welcome back to Arts About. A show about art that's a work of art in itself. It certainly is, and I feel very welcome, although uh, we don't have... We're missing... We've got someone missing yeah, in action. Yeah. Um, in case anybody might be wondering, you're listening to Arts About here, back in the Bendio Bank studio at RPP with Sally, Mark and Swanee to bring you another week of what interests us. And yes, Swanee, you're quite right. One of the team is uh, not here. John's not hasn't made it this week. Yes, I felt obligated to speak up then, but I spoke a little soon. I forgot about the protocol. <laughs> yes. <coughs> yes, indeed you did. Now, how are you both this week? Very well, thank you. Yes, I'm good, thank you. I know you've been busy moving large pieces of art around this week, Mark. Yes, black marble sculpture. It's not easy, but it'll get moved. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, that's right. Um, So what have you been doing this week apart from that? Have you been uh, visiting anything or seen anything in any galleries lately? Uh, No, not yet. I think tomorrow is going to be the day or the day after. I'm going to NGV. There's quite a bit to see there. Yeah, there is. There Um, absolutely is. I have had my head down. As you know, I'm producing a show for Melbourne Fringe called Put Your Damn Phone Down, which starts next week. And I also had my son's 21st this last weekend. I'm still recovering. (laughs) It was a big deal. Any casualties? uh, No. Ah. No, it went very well. They were very behaved young people. Yeah, they're pretty tame these days, aren't they? They are, yes. They drink a lot. Well, yeah, but apparently they don't um, make love as much or don't smoke they? as Is much. Is that right? Or, yes, yeah, yeah, much less. They don't swim naked or any of that. It's all finished. Yeah, I have yeah, noticed a general obedience in the population. Maybe it's sort of washing over to oh, the youth. That's a terrible thought. I think it's a question of demographics. There's not as many, so they don't feel as powerful. Yeah. Really? Mm. Well, the baby boomers are the largest generation, and we haven't it's smaller and smaller since. We're going towards population collapse. Oh, well, that's possible. Well, that'll make it easier for the robots when they take over. (laughs) Yes. Because I can assure you that's going to happen. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with two performance artists. The first one is a poet and filmmaker, Christopher James White, who has a multimedia poetry piece at the Melbourne Fringe Festival. It's called Kigali 2097. And the second is going to be Mandy Lodge, who's starring in My Brilliant Divorce, which is coming to the Frankston Arts Centre on September the 14th. Very good. Mm. That Frankston Art Centre churns them out. It's like it's got a show every night of the week. Is that true? Yes, at least one. Oh. Now, while we get Christopher James White yep. on the line, here's the extraordinary Leonard Cohen with Tower of Song from his album, I'm Your Man. An oldie but a goodie. That was Leonard Cohen with Tower of Song, and you're listening to Arts About with Sally, Mark and Swanee on RPPFM. And now we have Christopher James White on the phone with us to tell us a little bit about his show, Kigali 2097, which is one of the many shows that begin next week as part of Melbourne Fringe. Christopher is a poet and filmmaker of Afro-American Indo-Caribbean descent. He's from Atlanta. He's an artist with a broad cultural reference and his poetry is part conversation and part performance, exploring nostalgia, the passage of time and speculative futures. And I assume we will be addressing these issues in his new show at the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Kigali 2097 is a sci-fi spoken word journey into the future. He's with us today to tell us more. Good morning, Christopher. Um, Thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's really great. It's lo- lovely to hear from you. Christopher, Kigali 2097 must be referring to the capital of Rwanda. Um, That's a, exactly right. In a future that most of us here listening to will never, ever reach. Tell What's it all about? 
Well, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I can live that long. But, uh, we'll, <laughs> I'm we'll hoping you can too. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, it's exactly that. It's basically we've sort of created a bit of a, a speculative world um, where you know, in the distant future, Kigali, Rwanda has become one of those um, sort of tech capitals of the world akin to a Tokyo or a Singapore. And we're just exploring kind of the ideas of how that technology ends up affecting uh, a human life, you know, affecting love, affecting um, having children, marriage, all of those things, and just exploring them through poetry. Mm-hmm. Is this a totally invented future, or is there some some truth or, or in the idea that there is a whole lot of technology going on? Is this a, is this a, an actual projection of Kigali? So it's it's a it's a bit of both. So it's it is more speculative than it is sort of sci-fi fantasy. Uh-huh. So I've taken a lot of research from what a lot of Paul Kagame, the, the current president of the of the country, has kind of. Um, that he sees for the future, as well as a lot of the other kind of technological trends I've seen across the world um, in, in other cities. So we kind of take those to their natural and sometimes scary conclusion. So what happens when we decide that, you know, we want immortality? Well, what are the negative consequences of that or the, the interesting sort of ways that that could develop? Um, we saw we saw that kind of a projection, didn't we, with Blade Runner, um, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, many uh, years ago when that first came out. It was kind of a projection of the it's world. It's a huge influence for for this show. Um, Is it? The, the cyberpunk uh, sort of genre generally, you know, it, it explores. Okay, well, here's what we can do with technology, and usually in the past that kind of presents a utopic future. Um, but cyberpunk gets to kind of explore. Well, is sort of unlimited technological progression actually a good thing and this sort of show explores those same ideas but from a um, an afrofuturist perspective right so your your show's not just poetry it includes what sounds like really complicated atmospherics projections theater poetry soundscape and lighting um tell us um i'm interested in how your verse has involved has evolved into such a multimedia um presentation yeah, so it originally started off as what was going to be an illustration series, um, and then I decided, oh, well, you know, I've, I've seen, I really love the sort of spoken word of, of Melbourne, and that's kind of been what one of my crafts has been, but I just figure it can go into other genres. It seems like we're, we're not really getting to explore all the other genres that media can, can kind of take. Um, and then once I did that, I saw, well, okay, let's expand it into sound and create sort of a soundscape to, to take people to another world, because generally a lot of the poetry that we're kind of saying is done in our world so that's that's how that led into the projections and the um and the sort of uh soundscape work that we ended up doing um as you mentioned there is a a a bit of a scene in fact it's a really growing poetry scene here i think in melbourne and we even have a couple of venues down here on the mornington peninsula that are that are regular events that are really um creating quite a lot of interest um I know that... Uh, how long have you been practising as an artist or as a poet in Melbourne? Oh, I've really been on and off. So I've done one... So, I, so my previous show was a bit more spoken word in the traditional sense, kind of exploring more confessional and, and personal themes. Um, but I've been doing it on and off for, you know, since I got here probably four years ago, but mostly off. Yeah, and and I believe that you emceed or that uh, that you were at the Slammer 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 Lama Ding Dong. Is that have I said it correctly? <laughs> yeah, I did. I I did the uh, feature there. I think maybe a couple of years ago, but might have been 2017 or something like that. 
Well, we have a great friend of the show, Alan Pentland, who I know uh, you you possibly know because he has uh, he's been on the show here a few times, and I know that he's also been at that festival. In fact, I think he haunts quite a lot of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty sort of in a way tight knit community. The uh, the spoken word scene of Melbourne. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, that it's come back into fashion in a way. It um, uh, it seems to be blossoming everywhere. Now, one of the things, I, I know we spoke yesterday about it, you're going to prepare a little piece from your show that you might perform for us uh, today. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you guys sort it's, of hear me pretty well? It's Swanee here. I, do you want me to set some atmosphere, a bit of, <laughs> bit of SFX or anything? Yeah, if, that, if, if you like a little bit of a sort of... Um, bring, bring the lights down. Yeah, bring lights down, and it's sort of it's more of like a friendly, almost almost comedic sort of instructional video. It's basically or sort of sound. It's basically a um, it's an IKEA instructional for how to uh, assemble a sense of self identity. Fantastic. Okay. We all need that. Take yeah. it away. Why don't we give him a little bit of yep. oh, I've got boost it the volume a little yep. bit too? That's great. Sounds good. Ready to go. Hey, homemakers! Thanks for subscribing. Today, we're going to be assembling ourselves. Before you can shake off that sense of depression and grasp a real sense of meaning in the world, you're going to have to construct a sense of self-worth. First, start by removing everything from the biodegradable packaging of your ego. Find the 30-millimeter personal purpose bracket and attach it to the existential dread housing using a counterclockwise movement. You may want to purchase additional casual love to apply to the miter joints of your unmended heart. Once you've completed six self-destruction cycles, set aside your unhealthy coping mechanisms. These will come in handy later. Using the search function, find the unrequited love of your life. Download the blueprint for a personal mission, print it out, and fold it into an origami swan in the shape of a reason to wake up in the morning. Make a thousand such swans, and you've now successfully constructed a reason to live. Here's one I prepared earlier. On the outside of your exterior facade, you're going to find a port adapter that will convert your insecurities into your overcompensation. And if you reach deeply into your soul, you will find a solenoid that converts fears into inhibition. Place that into the bayonet fixture and pull down the latch until fully engaged. As that initiates, go to the fridge and find the freeze-dried best friend of your life. Break the steel on that bad boy and throw it into the sink to thaw before your mother arrives home. Next, look to everyone around you and compare yourself. Seek out any glaring inadequacies. And if you should find none, make some up. Get creative with it. And lastly, give up. <laughs> Submit yourself to your own mediocrity. Embrace the contrived nature of this sense of self-importance. And now, you are ready to show off your contrived centerpiece of a life to everyone you wish to make feel poorly about themselves. Now, you are ready to be a happy, healthy, well-rounded, cool, good-looking, famous human being. Thanks, guys. Very good. Oh, wow, that was fantastic. All we were missing was the Alan Pentland key. <laughs> <laughs> that was Christopher James White with us on Arts About on Audible PFM today with a piece from his new show, Kigali 2097, a satirical and dramatic blending of poetry, soundscape, atmospherics and sci-fi. It's running at the Melbourne Fringe in the old council chambers uh, from the 12th to the 20th. Um, 
Uh, have you have you been part of Fringe before, Christopher? This will be the first year, uh, year I'm doing a show for it. Wonderful. And how many are you doing? So this is eight shows between those two nights that you uh, that you just listed. Uh, Christopher, this is Mark uh, speaking. Why, uh, why did you come to Melbourne? Oh, I came in uh, basically just because I had started traveling. After I left Atlanta, I wanted to kind of see see more cities, and I really didn't know anything about. Melbourne or what it had to offer until somebody in Tokyo sort of recommended that I come to the city. And then when I got here, I was like, this is one of the best kept secrets on the planet. But I think people who live here realize that. Because mm. I've heard that Atlanta is a really a, a fun city as well, no? It's got a lot, a lot of good music going on down there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge music capital and, and, and sort of increasingly a big uh, movie capital. Mm. Um, it's like the third biggest sort of movie producing city. Um, so it's it's absolutely up there about the same population as here. Right. But I li I've lived there, so yeah, yeah. now here's home. Oh, good. Okay. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like a truly fascinating show. Uh, thank you so very much for talking to us today, Christopher, and especially thanks to that for that really wonderful snippet from it. Um, Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for, for, for having me. Have a great fringe. You as well. Thanks. Before the message from our sponsors, here's another poet who combines a few different mediums himself with poetry. This is John Cooper Clark with I Want to Be Yours. You're listening to Arts About on RPPFM with Sally Markinswani. And before the ads, that was John Cooper Clark, poet, performance artist, with a track called I Want to Be Yours. Next, we're talking with Mandy Lodge about My Brilliant Divorce, the new hit production play coming to the Frankston Arts Centre on September the 14th. Mandy is starring as Angela, who is valiantly taking charge of her new life after she's been dumped by her husband for a younger model. Mandy's a well-known singer, actor, and you may know her for her highly acclaimed portrayal of Patsy Cline for hit productions a couple of years ago. And she's on the other end of the line to talk to us today. Mandy Lodge, many thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Arts About. It's lovely. Nice to be here. Sally, thank you. Poor Angela. It's an all-too-familiar story, isn't it? Absolutely. I think a lot of people relate to it. <laughs> I read some dreadful statistics in the in the play's um, pr uh, promotions that said something like one in three Australian marriages ends up in divorce. I know it's frightening, isn't it? But um, yes, that's the statistic for you. Tell us a little bit about Angela's story. Um, Angela's story. Um, she's a, a wonderful little character. Um, it's a story about obviously being dumped for a younger model by her long-standing husband and just really discovering herself again, going through those a few years. It's, it's a story of about three years from the, the time when he actually leaves her to regaining her, her own um, self-worth again, I suppose you can say, to rediscovering what she wants out of life. And, and is she, how old is she? Well, she starts off saying that she's 39. <laughs> yes, but, but she's not. by the time of the end of the play, she actually tells you her real age. So I won't give you any spoilers. Oh, there. okay. I don't want it. We don't want any spoilers. No, that's right. No. I believe it's been a hit in something like 28 countries. That's extraordinary. I believe so, yeah. It's fast, yeah, fabulous. Um, it's been quite around, I mean, it hasn't been that around that long, this play, but it, it has been um, a hit. Um, um, Widely spread hit. Yeah, apparently so. And I believe it was really popular in London at the West, in the West End with Dawn French playing Angela. Um, didn't happen to see it, did you? Uh, no. 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 
Have you ever seen any of the previous productions? Or is that a no, bad thing for an actor to do? No, no, no. I think it's a bad idea because then you start trying to portray the person who's playing the, the character. <laughs> and, yes, it gets confusing then. Mm. Um, so is it a one-woman show? I don't know anything about it. Totally one woman, yes. Just myself and my dog, Dexter. What's it like? Because um, I think you're mid-tour now, aren't you? You're somewhere in New South Wales. Yes, I'm actually in Queenbeyan, so not far from the capital. Right. And uh, obviously you're coming down here in a couple of weeks. What is it like doing um, a show in a different venue every night? Does it change? Is it evolving as you're going along? I think it, it, it does evolve because, I mean, I play from I play to 400 people in one venue and then 16 people in another venue. So I, I have to kind of, mm -hmm. I'm on my toes a little bit and um, sort of have to not change, I can't change the script at all, but it, I, it's the, the feeling of it, the way you, you put it across, I suppose. Um, because there's gaps, there's some applause, but when there's 16 people, there's not that much mm -hmm. applause for applause. So you just have to think and sort of re repaste feel of the show yeah and i bet even the sizes you know that, that affects the timing and and so on absolutely well. just, yeah mm. it does uh, Mandy, mm. so did you say you you have your dog with you yes dexter what sort of dog is <laughs> what dog he's is, my daughter's dog he's angela's daughter's dog and, and, and what sort of dog makes, is he pardon what sort of dog is he um he's kind of um a stuffed dog. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> Never work with animals and children on stage, for goodness exactly. sake. And he sometimes makes a complete stuff up of, of everything, does Dexter, but he's very funny. Oh, good. Sometimes he doesn't quite make it on stage on time. Oh, and, um, and I just have a yeah. personal question. What, what part of England are you from? I'm originally from Yorkshire. Okay, that's a lovely accent. Thank you. Yeah, Captain I know. I asked, him, I asked Mandy um, earlier on this morning um, whether or not you had, I think uh, you told me that you'd been over here for something like 20 years. Yeah, I've lived here 20 years oh, now. Oh, keep yeah. your accent. Yes, it's it. lovely, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I think some accents really hang on, don't yes. they? Yes, um, they do. So mm. um, it's been written by Geraldine Aaron, who I assume is an English writer. Am I correct with that? Uh, I believe Irish originally. Oh, is she? Yeah. Yes, I don't know anything uh, anything about her. But directed by Denny Lawrence, who is an Australian director, um, mostly of TV. I, I I thought. Have you worked with Denny before? I have. This is my third show with Denny. Yeah. And is he touring with you? No, no, no. He he puts it all through the paces at rehearsals and production week. He'll be there on on the opening night, and then that's him gone. Yeah, okay. yes. <laughs> it may pop in mid-tour. You never, never know, just to see, you know, how I'm doing. Give it a tweak, restuff the dog, <laughs> yes. that sort of thing. That re that's it, restuff yep. the dog, yeah, give it a tweak and see if I'm sticking to the script. <laughs> so you've had your notes and that's it, and it could be a completely different show when it finishes. When do you finish the tour? We finish at uh, the end of October. Wow, so you've still got a fair way to go. Yeah, like we're about mid midway through now, I believe, yeah. Well, it's wonderful. My Brilliant Divorce is going to be on at the Frankston Art Centre on Saturday, the 14th of, of September. You can go to the Frankston Art Centre for tickets or you can go to our Facebook page. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Mandy Lodge, uh, about My Brilliant Divorce. I nearly said My Brilliant Career. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's rolled off the tongue there. I believe Thank that's, you so much, yeah. Sally. Wonderful to talk to you. See you later. And you. Bye-bye.
you're listening to Arts About on RPPFM and we've just been talking with Mandy Lodge about the play she's starring in at the Frankston Arts Centre on September the 14th, My Brilliant Divorce. With Squeaky the dog. With, uh, no. I thought she said Dexter. Yeah, yeah she Dexter. did. Yeah. Okay, so appropriately now, here's Claire Bowditch with uh, a song called Divorcee by 23. That was Claire Bowditch with a track called Divorcee by 23 and you're listening to Arts About on RPPFM. D- it's time to hear from Mark. Excuse what? me, one yes, moment. Mark. Divorcee by 23, does yeah. that mean she was divorced by the age of 23? Sounds like it to what, me. What's she doing getting... Um, married so early to begin with. I don't know. Crazy stuff. Well, Some people fall in love and get married very quickly. Well, yes. It's a strange thing. When yeah, I was growing up and reaching manhood, the thought of marrying someone was absurd. Well, you know, I mentioned before that it was my son's 21st on yeah. the weekend. One of his friends couldn't come because they've got a new baby. It's extraordinary. What is it? I mean, there are all those TV shows about the proposal and the bachelor and all that crap. And I know that weddings in the last 20 years have just become a massive industry. But it used to be you just live with someone, man. You didn't have to yeah. get married. Once again, it was the baby boomers who experienced yes. that. And, and it's changed. You know, things change rapidly. The times are changing. Mm. They are. So. Mm. Yes, Mark. Right. Sorry to impinge. Pinch as much as you like. Right. Um, what do you think are the world's most deadly animals? Oh, the mo- I would say humans are the most no, deadly No, I know animals. the answer to this. It's the mosquito. He's oh, correct. yes, okay. But which mosquito? The Anopheles mosquito. And which gender? Female. Exactly. Yes. I, I was answering these questions. <laughs> yeah. And what is the etymology of mosquito? Um, I don't Mosca know. Fly. Little, little Mosca. fly. Little fly. Little fly. It's from Spanish. musket, the drink. Spanish. Little fly. Uh, little fly. Little fly. Anyway, so um, sharks kill 15 to 50 people a year. Crocodiles, 1,000. Oh. Dogs, 25,000. This is worldwide. Mm. Yeah. 25,000. That's, That's a, a lot, lot more than sharks. That's a lot more than sharks. We kill 70 million sharks a year, up to 100 million. Oh, my Just gosh. Just uh, Snakes kill 50,000. Apparently, don't know how, uh, humans 475,000 a year, uh, yeah, and female mosquitoes 100 million. Sorry, a million. Wow. A year, yes. and they're all female. So the male is a harmless nectar feeder, but the females need blood to reproduce, as you know. Have you ever seen their their uh, pit? proboscis? Proboscis. Yes. It's in five different. Mm, it one spreads out. Spreads like out. Yes. Goes in, and mm. they, the first thing it does is put in an anaesthetic. So Correct. You don't feel it as much. As much. Because you do feel. And it. And the last thing it does is inject an anticoagulant. Exactly. That's the itchy bit, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very, very. You know, stingrays have anticoagulants on the end of their. Thingos when they Yucky. click into you, which is why um, Steve should Steve have left Irwin, it in. Well, he couldn't leave it in; it was in his heart. But was it? But, but it exacerbates blood flow. So yes, it's, mm. that's, that's very bloody. So um, the malaria parasites. Yes, you probably don't know this one. In is he? He's so full of himself. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm still searching for the Ronnie Wood song. Oh, All right. Well, while you're searching for it, remember that the malaria parasite is a plant. It's a plant. It's a plant. Now that is new. Exactly. While you're searching for. Yeah, go on. It's a kind of algae that diverged from the green pond scum we are familiar with 600 to 800 million years ago. And this is, this is fascinating because it almost is, seems as if it's got a brain, probably does have a brain of some sort, and has have become exquisitely adapted to living in bodies 
I am listening. Okay. Individual malaria plants inside an infected person signal each other, coordinating their development, and when the time comes for them to move, move on, they emit a chemical that attracts mosquitoes. How when brilliant. inside the mosquito, they suppress its saliva production, which limits the amount of blood it can ingest per meal, making it bite more frequently and thus more likely to pass on the disease. I was, I was speaking. Just extraordinary. Yeah, isn't it's it? a plant. Okay, yeah. it's a plant come out of a, of a pool. Yeah, we shouldn't be at all surprised by all these strange triggers in nature that just, but they still do amaze us. No, it's us. the intelligence behind yes, it that I find extraordinary. The, the hive mentality. Uh, oh, the really. The ambition of the, of the, of the, or the survival. Mm. Yes. Anyway, um, have either of you ever known a deaf or blind person? Yes. Yes. Okay. And were you impressed by their um, uh, way of being? Or yeah, I used to babysit a blind boy. Was I was quite young, mm. and uh, yes, I was. He was. A, he was just amazing. He was a lovely, lovely person. But it's always very surprising when you do meet someone like that to actually realise how differently you need to communicate. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, look. That's. I'm. I'm going to speak about this um, woman. Uh, Mark. Uh, no, Jess, Jess Combs. I was answering your question, though. I once hosted uh, three Japanese people that couldn't speak English, and that was like dealing with blind and deaf people, <laughs> I can assure you. It's big strain. It really is. Yeah. It, uh, well, look, I had a lot of that in France, but mm. um, you know, it's, this is a, it's a different story. So do you know the word kilometer? Yes. Yes. It's a French word which is made up of the English to kill and, and the meter with an O in the center to make it look poetic. So it kills the meters. Okay? Do you believe that? No. 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 So I want to talk about Kitty O'Neill, who you probably never heard about. I've heard of her. Okay. I have Last week you may have heard that Jessie Coombs, a lovely um, blonde 39-year-old um, American woman died in a jet car crash that she was trying to break the world speed record, mm. the world it, women's it speed record. She is known as the fastest woman on four wheels. In 2013, she reached 641 kilometers an hour but was trying to beat the absolute record of 512 miles per hour, 824 kilometres an hour, set by Kitty O'Neill in 1976. In what? In a vehicle? She was in a three-wheeled car, rocket. They're called rocket cars. Yeah, it's, it's basically a jet engine on wheels. With the, they take, no, it's a jet that's fighter. That's they mad. take the wings off mm. and they put some mag wheels on it yeah. and they put a Venetian blinds in the back and a little nodding dog yeah. and then they... Go as fast do as they, they can. They get the nodding dog. I'm glad they do that. Anyway, I was fascinated by the fact that this Kitty O'Neill mm -hmm. broke the record in 1976. So I looked her up, and she was a fascinating woman because she was deaf. Okay. Ah. Um, From the jet engine roar. Well, no. She, when she was five months old, the simultaneous diagnosis of the mumps, measles, and smallpox left little Kitty with a scorching fever that caused her to lose her hearing. Mm -hmm. and nearly killed her. But her mother, who was a Cherokee homemaker, sounds interesting, saved her life by immersing her in a cold bath. But this is the fascinating thing. She resisted teaching Kitty uh, sign language by um, showing her how to read lips 
and form words of her own, placing her hands on the, uh, on the, voice the throat, mm. on the throat, so she could feel the vibrations of vocal cords. Many people could not tell that Kitty was deaf. Wow, really? Yeah. That's so, so interesting. It is interesting, because I just wonder, uh, are they using this method? Do they continue it? I haven't heard of that. Uh, w w one question that springs to mind is when you're in, when Kitty's in the cockpit, and they say, Kitty, you've got to slow down. There's a big lump of ice on the road. She wouldn't hear them. No. Well, look, this, uh, this is a, something I've come to. How would they tell her that? Oh, the, there'd be telemetry and No, they'd use Morse code or something. Oh, it was the 70s, wasn't it? This yeah. was 76. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah. she learned the piano and the cello, mm -hmm. feeling the music through her hands and feet, and trained as a platform diver, winning dozens of competitions, and was destined for the 1964 Summer Games in Tokyo when she broke her wrist and came down with a case of spinal meningitis. Oh, wow. And was oh, thus woman. told by doctors she would never walk again. Within weeks, she was up, out of bed, and decided to become a stunt artist and record-setting Daredevil. Amid a battle with cancer that required <laughs> two sets funny. of operations in her 20s, she raced motorbikes, motorcycles and speedboats, drove, dove off hotel rooftops, leaped from helicopters, set herself on fire, water skied at uh, more than 100 miles an hour, and earned the title World's, World's Fastest Woman while driving her three-wheel rocket car across the same dried lake bed in southeastern Oregon where Jessie died. Um, the car was, in, was called the SMI Motivator, effectively a rocket on three wheels powered by hydrogen peroxide. Brilliant. She's incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. Recall that the runs made um, a, were a beautiful experience in which the vast flatness of the Oregon desert seemed to move past her in a series of waves. In 1977, she set a woman's water speed record of 275 miles an hour. Have you ever water skied fast? You, that, you know, that's really fast. I'm water skied slow, and it's okay. scary enough. All this while she was deaf, and, and this is it. When she, you know, she, to be in the in the uh, rocket going at 841 kilometers is now yep. and not hearing it must have been made beautiful to focus so much yes. more. She, um, she was five foot two and if you ever saw uh, Wonder Woman, the series Wonder yep. Woman, yes. she was the one who dived off the Hilton Hotel in uh, LA onto an inflated mm -hmm. ant. I don't recall that exact no, episode. You can look it up if you like. Yeah. Okay. Good so old Kitty. Kitty was quite a, quite a number. Um, now there was something else about her, what was it? Um, anyway, she was she was quite amazing. Now, and just to finish off. Well, with what it, made you um, happen upon Kitty? Oh, this was the recent incident caused yes, you I to saw research that on the news further. And then I looked up. I wanted to know who this Kitty was. Yeah. In 1976. And where's Kitty broken. now? Kitty died last year at the age of 72. What a, what a brilliant! She's she's like pneumonia. Helen Keller, isn't she? She's yeah. the Helen Keller of the speed world. <laughs> so she is. She is. Yes, she okay, is. Okay, okay. All right, so listen, continue. Kilometer really is ancient Greek for kiloroi, thousand, and metron, measure. Okay. Kiloroi. Kiloroi. Just to finish with um, rockets and aeronautics, um, yeah. the French were leaders in the early age of aviation. Yes. Much of the terminology still in use originated with them. The Montgolfier brothers. Such as, that's earlier, yeah, such as fusilage, mm -hmm. décalage, aileron, wing, yes. also mayday, which comes from mayday, which is aid, aid help me. me, help me, ah. mayday, mayday comes from there. Also cockpit comes from apparently... Well, it doesn't plane. surprise me with the no. French. But with more female pilots, maybe mm. we should change that to something else. Yes. Yeah. 
you can imagine. Yes. Yes. And then there is the joystick, which is the stick between yeah. your legs. The joystick. <laughs> How do you say that in French? Joystick. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Oh. So um, that's it. That's great. The good old Frenchies. Well, you certainly stretched that out, Mark. Yeah, you did. So, so you said you were going to ask us questions. Was that about mosquitoes? Uh, it was the mosquitoes and, oh, yeah. the, and the deaf people and blind people. I believe we answered the mosquito questions correctly. You did very well. You, yeah. you didn't know about the old guy. But there's, I had an experience. I went, there was an exhibition at um, National Gallery in the late 70s mm -hmm. of um, sculpture for deaf, uh, blind people. Yeah. And they set it up so that you could follow a, a red cord and um, touch the sculptures mm -hmm. and feel them. So, so I went to the Blind Society, which was over the road. I don't know if it's still there. Yes. And, met a woman, a music teacher, and said, would you like to join me to go and see the exhibition? And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had because she brought a friend who was um, also blind, who had adopted a Thai boy who had um, polio, so he was wearing calipers at the time, and so we all went through this exhibition, and they were just so excited and so happy and so um, curious about everything around them. It was uh, really taught yeah. me a lot about So did you just think to do that? You just thought oh, that... If I it's thought I'd take a blind yeah, person. How, yeah, what a great yeah, idea. Yeah. And we had to wear... Uh, the people who could see had to wear masks so right. you could see the sculpture. But you could touch them, which was um, quite a beautiful experience. Yeah, but th there used to be a restaurant, I think, in Melbourne. I think it was in... Yeah, that uh, didn't last long, No, did it didn't it? last long, but it was um, a dining experience. In the, oh, in, in the dark, yes. Yeah. yeah. That was in Vogue yeah. for about two oh, weeks, yes, yeah, right around the world. Yeah, there was one in Paris. Dark dining. Black... Yeah. yeah, or or noir, as we say in Paris. <laughs> now you know I'm not going to be in next week. Really? Yes, because I'm going to be in Melbourne doing because uh, I'm producing the show we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Put your bloody phone put, down. Put your damn phone down. Ah. That's right. It's on at the SB Hotel. Between, yes. Yeah, between the 16th and the 26th of this month. And this month. And where is it on? At the SB Hotel, the Balcony Bar. Shows you how much I listen. Put the damn phone down. You just said you weren't going to be here for the next two weeks, and then you go, blah, 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 and I go, of? <laughs> what, <laughs> what month is what month be that? So that is Glenn. Uh, it's a bit of an experience uh, if you're sitting in front of Glenn and he's doing one of his shows, isn't it? It most certainly is. Actually, Swanee, you came to the very first show that we'd ever done. Yeah, did. I was, was in the trades hall. I was like a rabbit in the headlights. That was the one we took everyone out for dinner. Yeah. I think we only had six people came to the show, so we just decided we were in Lagos at the at the trade centre, and we decided that we would just take the. the uh, I didn't. Up I, I was on route month. to another. Yeah, no, I was on route. I had to meet uh, somebody else, but I came via yeah. Glenn Show. Yeah. We went out for dinner. Anyway, uh, I was going to ask you, Sally. Yes. With this Fringe Festival mm -hmm. bizzo, with so many shows on in so many venues. Uh, how hard is it to promote your particular show and get those people in there? Well, it's what pretty hard, absolutely. Well, you know, we talked the last week, I think it was, with Simon Abrams, mm -hmm. who is the CEO and artistic director That's of That's right. And he was saying there's 450 different shows, 450 different shows across Melbourne, across two and a half weeks, across something like almost 200 venues. So you're really competing with a lot of people. It's very hard to get people also, to shows. Also, a great percentage of your your audience would be penniless students as well. Uh, would it? Is that true? Mm, yes, there are. There, there's a lot of and penniless artists. It's absolutely oh, true. Yeah. But there's but there are. Um, uh, it is the place where you can see 
rather extraordinary thing. So if you're really into uh, performance art or if you're if you're into the arts, it's the kind of place where the the um, barriers are, are taken off and you can get to see some pretty outrageous stuff. Right. So if uh, I stay also home, some really new stuff. You can just, you know, it's where it's the sort of the the nurturing place where new the artists cradle, and new stuff. It the is cradle, the cradle of civilization. Yes, yeah, that's right. Mm, culture. Mm, yeah, well, it does perform a, a role exactly. Of course, like it that. does. Of course, it and does. you know, as he was saying last week, they yeah. um, they make it very very easy for artists to promote to put on their shows and they create this umbrella organisation. So it enables the young, unskilled, uh, emerging artists... To get into to the stream. Into, yeah. It's the humidity crib yeah. of culture. Mm, I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. What are you laughing at, Mark? Nothing. Just having fun. Now, look, you know how you? I couldn't find Ronnie Wood? Yeah. I found Ronnie Wood. I know. So how about, is this a new one from Ronnie or something? Is well, that why we're playing it? it? But yeah, I hadn't right. heard it, so I thought we would. He's probably written it for his 15-year-old bride. Well, this one is by, said Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones, and yeah. it's called I Can Feel the Fire. Look, I'm sorry, Sally, <laughs> but off air we were talking about how every band has its moment in the sun, it hits the zeitgeist or whatever you want to say, yeah. but Ronnie Wood, that, that's that, just a terrible shit song. That did not hit the zeitgeist, did it? Not it didn't at for all. Us anyway. As I said, I think you wrote it for his child bride. Do you think so? That's the sort of music she'd like. <laughs> Does he have a child bride as well? Yes, he likes child brides. Because um, the other one, you know, Je suis en rock star. Oh, yeah. Bill Wyman, he was famous for his child bride, wasn't mm. he? Mandy Smith, Mandy? Whatever. We'll take the overcraft across the water. I'll yeah. pretend I'm your she dad and you're Oscar. my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But look, as, a, as, as far as people who could write songs in their time and couldn't do, keep doing it, we did agree Leonard Cohen has managed to keep it going. Huh? Leonard Cohen, I mean, Well, genius. he's dead now. Absolutely genius. Could we... Um, he did die, that's What? True. Oh. Hark. Now we're going to go keep talking for hours and hours. Is that Leonard on the typewriter? Is that how he wrote his songs? (laughs) Is this him writing Marianne? Yes. All right. Melbourne Fringe opens in Melbourne on the 12th of September. There's going to be hundreds of shows across all genres. Hundreds? 483 or something. Including Christopher White's show Kigali 2097, uh, which you heard a very little bit of it today. Kigali! Uh, you go to our Facebook page for a link or the Fringe website for more information. Mm-hmm. My Brilliant Divorce, mm-hmm. starring Mandy Lodge, who we also spoke to, will be on at the Frankston Arts Centre, and I would keep a keen eye out for that little stuffed dog. Yeah, Dexter. Dexter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Kemp is the visionary modernist, reveals never-before-publicly exhibited works from Australian abstract artist Roger Kemp. The Potter Centre, NGV Australia, 22nd of August until the 15th of March. She also has a number of shows on at uh, Eastgate Gallery and Charles Nodrum Gallery. They're showing prints and... Oh, are they all yeah. sort of in association yeah, with this Yeah, they often do this because they know that the gallery is doing yes, it. Yes, so people, are, people are coming in yeah. to see his work. Oh, that's good. Well, Bridget Thomas is returning to Merrick's House Art Gallery with a new exhibition called Ship to Shore, which follows her passion for ships and fishing boats to the marine life of fish, crustaceans, shells and seashores and everything in between. That will be a lovely exhibition. Uh, that <laughs> opens on Saturday the 7th of September and will run through to the 29th of September. I, I'm lost. You Coming up in October is a new book writers' festival called Turning Pages. 
celebrating the hidden talents of storytellers and creatives, hate that word, across a range of genres at Common Folk Café in Mornington on Thursday, the 17th of October 2019. Common Folk is actually a Christian café. Is it? Common Folk, oh, Mm. is it? Uh, um, So they've got... They're going to be presenting a whole lot of authors from this area, I think, and we're going to have a few of them come in and talk to us, I think, over the next oh, few good. weeks. And possibly also the festival organisers, Tasha Rees and Gaynor Lawton as well. Good. The I'm not going to let you say it this time. <laughs> well, I kept saying it last time and I thought, oh, no. The Finkelstein Gallery opened in Paran last week and it's the first contemporary gallery uh, focusing exclusively on female artists. The gallery is the concept of art consultant Lisa Feely and will begin with representing a small group of ten artists. The Peninsula Chamber Orchestra are playing at Belura House on Saturday, October the 5th, and also a performance at the Peninsula Hot Springs later in October. Visit their Facebook page for more info. If you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About, but you can hear the repeat on Sunday at 11. Arts About's available on air, streaming from the station website or the RPP phone app, and we also sometimes podcast the show, which you can find by going to the station website or checking in on our Facebook page. Yeah. We'll be on again at the same time next week, and remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. But we know what we like. <laughs>